You're listening to Thinker's What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Dennis Horton, the director of the Rockford Regional Office of the Better Business Bureau, which is celebrating, uh, upcoming, its 30th anniversary, uh, and Dennis has been with the Better Business Bureau for the last 16 of those years. Dennis, welcome to the What Works podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So I also understand that prior to working with the Better Business Bureau, you were with the YMCA, and then you were also uh, a, a newscaster. I started, uh, I interned at uh, WREX in uh, 1971 um, oh. as a photographer. And uh, we discovered uh, then it was film that we shot. And we <laughs> discovered that uh, in developing film that I was allergic to the chemicals. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> so wow. okay. I wanted to remain uh, in the internship. So they said, yeah. what else do you want to do? And yeah. I said, well, actually, I would like to write. Okay. And uh, they said about teaching me to write news copy. Oh, wow. So uh, I did that and learned how to write. Uh, went to Rock Valley um, to write a little better. And I stayed in the business until 2003. Wow. And that's when the broadcasting in our small town started to change and yeah. it got to be a little less fun so right. i had to find something else that was fun to do yeah awesome so the better business bureau now being the director of the better business bureau what what is your job entail what are the responsibilities of that uh, i am the as my boss like to say uh, you're the the face and voice of the bbb out in rockford okay. uh, my job is to uh run the team um manage the office, okay. uh, deal with businesses, uh, deal with sticky problems. When we have a, a complainant um, and a business that really aren't working well and somebody needs to actually sit down and meet with them, oh, wow. um, I would be that person. Uh, we also do uh, arbitration and we have uh, attorneys who actually handle arbitrations but when it's just uh, an angry person mm -hmm. um, I get to sit down and calm them down and calm down the business people and yeah. say we can work this out so and it's my understanding that better business bureau works somewhat like this that a uh, a consumer would you know file a complaint against the against the business the BBB steps in uh, gives forwards that complaint essentially you know to the business and says rectify this uh, and if you don't you know then your rating is going to suffer Ideally, the business then does rectify that, and you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, but you're you're saying that sometimes businesses say, "No, we're not going to do this," and then it starts to escalate then to your office. Now, very often, it it isn't the business who becomes the problem. Yeah. Um, very often, we find uh, I have found in my 16 years yeah. that. 90% of the business people really are good, yeah. and they really want to do things the right way. Sure. Unfortunately, I can't say that about all <laughs> of their customers or consumers in general. Gotcha. Um, I go out and do a lot of speaking, and, and I talk to people, and I tell them uh, one of the first stories, one of the first things that happened when I was fresh on the job as the, uh, I started, um, at the BBB here um, as the uh, marketing manager. And that lasted about three weeks, and then I was promoted to director. Um, <laughs> we got a call from uh, a lady um, who had had her bathroom remodeled. Okay. And she was uh, 
truly ecstatic about how well it turned out. Um, she had sent a letter to the, to the contractor saying, what a fantastic job you had done. She spent $19,000 on this bathroom remodel. So it's a nice bathroom. Yeah. However, her brother-in-law told her that she had spent way too much money okay. and that she should have spent no more than five or $6,000 for this bathroom. <laughs> and she said, well, what do I do? Yeah. And he said, well, I think you got ripped off, so I think you need to call the Better Business Bureau yeah. and, and, and uh, see if you can't get your money back or oh, wow. some of your money back. Well, she, having <laughs> written a letter to the uh, contractor and telling them what a great job he had done right. and the fact that she really didn't have any problems she had to find something wrong, so she looked oh, and no. she looked and she looked, and she found a little grout hmm. that was on the tile okay. that you could have taken off with your fingernail. Sure. And instead, she filed a complaint, and she asked for all of her money back. Oh, wow. And obviously, uh, that made no sense. And no contractor is going to do that, especially when he would have been happy to go out and scrape that grout off of her tile for, for sure. her. So I called her, yeah. and then she explained to me how this all came about. And in the end, she ended up apologizing to the contractor, and <laughs> I think that she wanted to shoot her brother-in-law because right. it, it ended up making her look somewhat foolish. Totally. Uh, you know, but th there are many instances, I, I can count to many, many instances, where people, unfortunately, uh, try to take advantage of, of the, the people that they're dealing with, with the, of the business, yeah. rather than accepting their efforts to rectify the problem, they look for a pound of flesh. I, I, right. I can count on all of our hands and all of our feet how many people say, I want them shut down. They don't right. want their problem fixed. I just want them out of business. Yeah, which is spiteful. I, yes. <laughs> and that one is never going to happen right. but that's what or they ask for truly more than they have coming okay you know the 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 business does what they have to do to fix the problem but then they'll tack on something else that had nothing to do with the original contract right. and demand that that be taken care of and in many cases for the sake of goodwill a business will do it mm -hmm. that's unfortunate yeah. I, I say so you'd rather the business in that case just kind of hold the line and mm -hmm. say, we did what we told you we were going to do. Now go away. And if, and I have said to them, you really don't have to do that. Yeah. And they say, yeah, but then they'll be out on the street and they'll be talking about how they got <laughs> is, ripped off. Is the pressure of that worse today? Because in the old days, you know, you'd have to look up for reviews. You'd have to go to the Better Business Bureau. Today, Yelp. Facebook, Facebook yeah. Twitter. There's all these ways that you can go out and express your dissatisfaction. Absolutely, and, and that that puts a lot of a lot of pressure on the business to uh, do things that they wouldn't normally do. And that's one of the things that we tell a business when you are responding to a complaint. We're not asking you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. We're not asking you to change your refund and return policy to fit this situation. Stick to your ground because you are doing the right thing. If you have done the right thing, then we uh, who are processing your complaint mm -hmm. are going to see that you have made uh, a valiant effort to fix the problem. And that's really all you need to do. Right. 
Yeah, show show a bit of effort. So it sounds like you're not only working on behalf of consumers, you're also working on behalf of the businesses, really like you talked about, kind of to mediate or to uh, get the parties to engage. Truly, the BBB is kind of a two-headed horse. We are an advocate for business, and we're also an advocate for consumers. Uh, We sit down at the table, and and as a, a third party, try to help them come to a resolution. Yeah. What's the most uh, absurd complaint that you've heard? I'm curious. Actually, I have to say the woman who wanted her $19,000 back was the most <laughs> absurd thing that, it's the one that always pops into my well, head. So they, pro- but they probably could have offered to just uh, rip the whole thing back out. They could have, and you know. <laughs> we'll take it out, fine. But we'll if do you don't like it. Six. Um, <laughs> I don't know that there is, uh, other than that one, one, I think the, the thing that uh, I find most, uh, most frequent yeah. is that uh, people really believe that there is a law that says the customer is always right. Right. Yeah. That, there, that, that is a law that, that you have to make me happy. Yeah. Well, when you try to explain to them, there is no law like that. Right. Um, it is simply uh, the way some businesses have decided to operate, mm-hmm. but they don't have to. Yeah. I think that's, um, in fact, I, I also write a column for uh, the Register Star. Oh, really? And okay. I think that one of the, that was one of those columns when I actually wrote about that, that I got the most response from people who were calling. Poor Dwayne, who was my operations assistant and handles most of the phone calls, <laughs> uh, was frankly shaking his head going, I don't know what's wrong with these people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you, so the Better Business Bureau was getting complaints. Yeah, that's well, ironic. Yeah, what's wrong with well? <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. What's what's wrong with him? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's because I guess as when you look at it, um, the there are in fact times when the customer is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, trying to make them see that is almost impossible to do. So where do you leave it then? On, uh, we come down on the side of the, of the business and, and say, yeah. you have done what you needed to do. Um, if you choose to do more, that's really your decision to make. Yeah. Uh, we also, when, when we get the complaint, we, people will ask us, what should I ask for? Well, we never tell you what you should ask for or what you should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we ask people to do is to detail what their issues are in the complaint and then search their heart and their mind for what they want for resolution. Sometimes people just want an apology. And if we know that that is what they are seeking, we don't accept the complaint because that that is saying to the businesses that you have to acknowledge or accept that you did something wrong right. and you may not and have done that. if you didn't do something wrong, then yeah, why, so why should you apologize? Yeah. You know, um, if that's all you're asking for is an apology, go to the door and knock on the door and say, please say you're sorry, <laughs> right. but we're not going to go through the process of, the, of handling the complaint for yeah. an apology. Wow. Well, that seems pretty fair. You've got a lot of experience at this over the past 16 years. Uh, Sometimes more than I need. (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons when um, we asked you to come in, uh, one of the things I want to talk about was, so when you started 16 years ago, you guys were pretty much it. If people wanted to look up and find out if a business is reputable, Mm -hmm. other than, you know, asking neighbors and things like that. Well, 
you, like a lot of other businesses, have had to adjust to the internet era. So you can do instant reviews of restaurants right today. You can do instant reviews of anything you want at any time. So how is the Better Business Bureau uh, staying relevant in this? In that climate? Yeah. Uh, because we also have reviews on our website as well. The difference between our reviews and those that you see on Yelp is that our all of ours are vetted before they're posted. We make sure that the individual who is writing that review is actually a customer of that business. Uh, with Yelp, you don't really know. And you don't know if they have, uh, as an as a angry individual, garnered all of their family and friends and had them write negative reviews as well. So before our reviews are posted, we make the individuals produce proof that they actually are a customer of that, uh, of that business. And after that uh, review is posted, the business has an opportunity to rebut the statements that are made. Uh, oddly, when we tell individuals who are writing reviews that that is a possibility that the business is going to rebut what you said, uh, they'll go, never mind because they may inflate the issue uh, or they realize that sometimes they're just being somewhat petty. And that happens, unfortunately. Sure. Well, yeah, for, for certain. Because back to kind of the, the absurdity of the $19,000 bathroom mm -hmm. uh, that the woman was very pleased with. Right. right? Mm -hmm. She'd hate to have to drag her brother-in-law through the mud. <laughs> show, this is true. Show how little he knows about how much bathrooms cost. <laughs> right. Or anything about construction. That was the other point. He was not a contractor. He was not a tile man. He knew nothing other than he had probably, you know, done I mean, a little work 16, at home. Even 16 years ago, bathrooms cost more than $10,000. Yeah. I know that. Oh, yeah. You want a nice bathroom. I mean, it's just you yeah. paid for it. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the internet campaigns, I was reading this week, there was, there was there's a very active internet campaign uh, for people who are upset about Black Panther to say, go out there and, and ding Black Panther on Rotten Tomatoes mm -hmm. so that Disney doesn't do another one, right? Right. So there's this huge disconnect on the internet between how the movie was reviewed and how the supposed audience mm -hmm. has reviewed it. The internet is both um, our friend and our enemy. It, it allows, uh, as you know, people to say anything that they want, yeah. unchallenged. And that's where it becomes our enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's good that it gives people voice, but it also lets them be unfettered um, in what, they're, what claims they are making. And we know uh, that there are groups of individuals who mount campaigns who look to do damage to Disney uh, or voice their opinion in opposition to something, yeah. whether it's based in fact or not. Right. And that is a, a really serious problem with the internet. It, it, it's given rise to uh, the reputation management industry. Yeah. Yes. One of the people who comes to our One Million Cups every week is a, is a person who has a, a business and they're working with McDonald's because McDonald's has struggled because they don't respond to complaints on the web quickly enough. 
And all of a sudden, that's just a new cottage industry to mm-hmm. combat your, your reputation online. Right. McDonald's is a uh, Better Business Bureau member. In fact, they are on our board of directors in Chicago. Okay. And we know how uh, seriously they take their complaints. I, uh, oh. I sat in uh, at one time, to be honest with you, they didn't take their complaints very seriously. Mm-hmm. But um, it was actually, it was about the time, we didn't always have a, a graded rating system. Okay. It, at one, uh, when I started 16 years ago, it was you had a, a, a rating of satisfactory or unsatisfactory. Oh, wow. Which left for a Pass lot fail. of gray area. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it left for a lot of gray area. Yeah. So you really don't know, well, how satisfactory are you? Well, you're kind of satisfactory or you're not. <laughs> Uh, how unsatisfactory. So with the, the change in going to a, a graded rating system, mm-hmm. A plus to F, you now know you're dealing with someone who is an A plus, or you're dealing with somebody who is a C, mm-hmm. or you're dealing with somebody who is a D or an F. So wow. where are you going to go? McDonald's does, did not want to have a reputation of having a, and at the time, a D rating. Mm-hmm. So they came to us, Excuse me, and said, uh, we need to fix this, which meant they went back. Uh, we have complaints, and those complaints stay in a, on a business profile for three years. So they went back for three years and responded to every single complaint. Some people didn't even remember they had filed a complaint, uh, right. but they responded to it. And I, uh, in some cases, you know, they gave them refunds. In some mm-hmm. cases, they said, come in for a year of free cokes or whatever the case may be, but yeah. they worked at fixing their uh, their business profile. Mm-hmm. And that, sitting with them, I saw how seriously they take their their reputation. Yeah. And that's all they, that's, all, you know, other than the fact that, you know, they can talk about the, the quality of their food and, you know, whether or not those fries are actually good and hot. Um, the reputation is what they deal with if you have a bad rep you know right you asked me before yeah. um what is one of the most absurd uh complaints you've ever had <laughs> yeah. that that brought to mind uh, thinking about mcdonald's one that is i think rather absurd um because it deals with a fat another fast food uh, establishment burger king okay there's a gentleman <laughs> who almost weekly we didn't realize that he, we call him a frequent flyer, people who file a lot of complaints. Yeah. Well, he filed a complaint about the Burger King in McChesney Park. Okay. Um, That's my Burger King. Well, <laughs> he was angry that that Burger King, um, he didn't think it was clean enough. Okay. He didn't think that the restrooms were clean, and he thought that the people there were mean uh, and just not good customer service type people. We took that first complaint and they addressed it. And then the following week, we got another complaint on something else wrong with that Burger King. And I said, go ahead and file, you know, process this one. And the following week, we got another complaint. And my complaint handler said, what do you want me to do? And I said, nothing. And the following week, we got another complaint. And we did nothing with it. And we did nothing with it. And then finally he came into the office and the complaint handler said, well, you'll have to talk to our director about it because he's the one who made the decision to not process any more of your complaints. Yeah. 
And he said, he came in, he sat down, we talked for a bit, and he said, uh, well, if you are not going to process my complaints, what am I supposed to do? And I looked at him and said, stop going there. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, well, uh, what am I going to do for Burger King? I said, I don't know if you, uh, at the time, uh, drive, but... um, I'm sure that there are other Burger Kings that you can get to and see if you can get your Whopper from them because they in Machesney Park are not going to change just for you. (laughs) Those, you know, as it turned out, out, um, we soon found out that everywhere he went, there were issues. Uh, The people at the Dollar General uh, were pointing fingers at him. then he would file complaints with about his landlord uh, often, oh, only for us to find out that, in fact, there were other issues involved with him. So, right. but um, the fact that, <laughs> then he got sneaky on us. He's probably what, a terror on the web, if he's uh, still around. <laughs> well, see, and that's where uh, he got he got wise to us uh, uh-huh, and yeah. got wise to me. Rather than actually filing a paper complaint, he would do it online and using our our system online, and the complaint then would go into Chicago and not hit our desk. (laughs) So we didn't see it for a while, and then uh, we do run a report, we call it our our flyers report, and I saw this name pop up and a string of them. So I then notified Chicago that when you see those complaints, send them to me instead of processing them. So we, we've gotten a handle on it. <laughs> that, poor, that poor Burger King in some place is feeling beat up. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're still open, and oh, yeah. you're going there. Yeah. Um, you've been around long enough um, to see the rise in different kind of scams or complaints. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It, what, what are the kind of things you deal with now that you didn't deal with 10 years ago? You know, um, as you mentioned, I was in, in, in uh, news. Uh, 20 years ago, we thought that when there were complaints and people would call the newsroom uh, with the fact that someone had knocked on their door and offered to uh, do their, redo their driveway uh, and give them an incredible price, I can, we can do your driveway for $120. And then they would paint some black paint on the driveway and leave, and the rain came, um, it would run down the street. We would think at that point, oh, you know, we have these people out there, which is still a problem with people knocking on the door. But today, uh, the issues that we see where people lose money, they don't lose $120. They lose $100,000. Which actually has happened here in this community with an individual who fell victim to the the grandparent scam, where they received oh, no. a phone call that their grandson was in trouble and needed money, and one of the things that they are told immediately is, I you know when they call and pretend to be the grandson in this case, that please don't tell mom and dad because I don't want to worry them. Mm-hmm. And a grandparent uh, generally will do or try to do whatever they can for their grandkid. Yeah. And that's what they did. And the scammers came back time and time and time again needing mm-hmm. more money oh, to the boy. tune of $100,000. And were it not for the bank realizing that this individual who 
never withdrew those sums of money, was doing so, then contacted uh, the grandparents' family mm-hmm. and explained that you need to take a look at this because there are a lot of withdrawals taking place here that normally don't happen, and that's how they discovered it. So when we look at what happens today and what happened 10 years ago, it's not that uh, the number of complaints have escalated. Uh, In fact, not the complaints, but the number of scams and the type of scams, the money that's lost in terms of scams it's in the billions of dollars the number of people who have fallen victim to it and we've been talking about the irs scam now for going on five years and there are people today who still fall for it and uh when i i looked the last time i looked which was only a couple of weeks ago and 2017 45 million dollars was lost to the irs scam and <clears throat> excuse me people ask um why do these scams keep happening? Because they work. Right. Uh, and, and they're lucrative for the scammers. Mm-hmm. And it's not like uh, law enforcement isn't trying to do something about it. They, they try to shut down these uh, uh, rooms, call centers, as quickly as they, they, they find them. They, they shut down one last July in Minnesota where they arrested 60 people. Wow. The problem is, if you, it's kind of like you, you cut off the head, but you have all these tentacles. Yep. Those individuals who've been working that call center also know how this process works. So you, you, you shut down this one. They don't go to jail. The boss goes to jail, but they go and open up their own call center. Right. So terrible. it is something difficult to, to police because uh, many of them are, are based in Pakistan or, or India. So... If it happens in Canada, we have a great relationship with, uh, with law enforcement in Canada. Uh, they will actively try to shut down that operation. Wow. In India and Pakistan, while they'll attempt to do it, their citizens aren't the ones being victimized. So they don't work nearly as hard at it as individuals do in Canada mm-hmm. or here in the States. Yeah, that's a, that I, I just read another thing about that today, the whole IRS scam that you know, the IRS has issued a warrant for your arrest, and you're going to have to pay up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Educating people that the IRS does not issue warrants. Yes, or they, they don't, <laughs> and they don't call. Um, and it's really very I sad. You, you would think that as more and more people get comfortable with technology, they'd be able to spot that. Because I think, originally, think so. yeah. originally it was, you know, te- non-tech savvy seniors that were getting nailed, but... I guess they're getting more uh, sophisticated. It's harder to well, spot. See, you, <clears throat> you, like many people, are under the impression that it's senior citizens who are the victims most often of scams, but they are not. No? Nope. Millennials are, are the ones who fall for scams more frequently. Really? And the reason being is because millennials think they know everything. Oh, gotcha. And they fall I'm, into I, the I, trap. I'm going to make my daughter listen to this. <laughs> she's, she's not going to believe I you. don't mean to, to offend millennials, but uh, the data shows that yeah. uh, uh, 27-year-olds uh, are specifically really? the one group who, who fall victim to scams very, very frequently. Can we make this more, more controversial? Is it 27-year-old men or 27-year-old women? No. Stop there. I, I walk around downtown, and there are a lot of 27-year-olds out there. So... <laughs> But it is, you know, and I, 
I see the glee. I, I go out and speak to groups of people and a lot of senior citizens. And when I report to them that they are they are not the victims more frequently, uh, they're really happy about it. <laughs> and one of the reasons why they're not is because they have paid attention to the warnings. They actually, when I'm there speaking to them and I pass out this information, they take it and they read it. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who... Uh, when they see a call come in from somebody that they don't know today, uh, they don't answer it. Let it go to voicemail. Mm-hmm. That is something we tell everybody. I, I, I do it myself. You see numbers that come up on your cell phone that you don't know, let it go to voicemail. If it's somebody who knows you and may have changed their number, mm-hmm. they'll leave a message and say, you may not have recognized the number. It's it's Bob. Yeah. So, uh, and seniors uh, really do pay attention. So the numbers of them who are falling victim to the scams are actually falling. Wow. And they'd have the most experience with life. So they should know some of mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting concept that the 27-year-olds and, and millennials, they, they don't have the life experience to understand what might be a scam or what might not, might not be a scam. And they also overlook things. Right. Because they go, oh, well, that's, um, they may be pro- more prone to believe it. Right. They just, yeah, they, they believe it. Um, the one thing that uh, seniors do, uh, because they do have life experience, and I think that they also sometimes think that they know everything. Uh, I'm I'm a senior now. I can say that. Uh, once you get the gray hair and you're you, right, you see you're, sixty, you're you can inducted. say anything you want. Yeah, totally. Get away with anything. You're inducted into yeah. the club. Um, it's a warning that I give to everybody. They think uh, that when they get a, a scammer on the phone that they're going to play with them and keep them on the phone and mm. talk them, uh, talk to them and wear them out or wear them down. Don't <laughs> do that because the, the person, the scammer who's calling you, this yeah. is their job. They're professionals at this. Right. You are not. And even though they may be pretending to be the IRS, what you're telling them, number one, is that the phone number that they are calling yeah. is a working phone number. Yep. And that phone number is now going to be shared with other, uh, actually sold to other scammers. Mm-hmm. So now you're increasing the number of, of scam attempts you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And in the process of talking to those individuals, you may inadvertently give them more information than you you intended to. And you don't know what that information is that they're going to use. So don't run the risk. If you, when you realize that it's a scam, simply hang up. Uh, I wrote a column that said, it's okay to be rude. Go ahead and be rude. If someone knocks on your door that you don't know, you don't have to open it. Be rude. Protect yourself. If somebody calls you and, and you don't know them and, and you realize they're trying to scam you, hang up. It's okay to be rude. Wow. that's uh, that, I think that brings it full circle back to the concept that businesses try to uh, mitigate issues when it's not an issue. And they were well within their rights to not you know, go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying that kindness sometimes leads to uh, people getting taken advantage of. Right. You know, um, we've all been taught to be polite. Mm-hmm. Well, being polite... It's a very Midwestern thing. Yeah. We, you know, being polite, though, can get you into a little bit of trouble. So <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, every time you go out some, somewhere and somebody offends you or you think they're, they're mean, slap them. Yeah. But I am saying that um, you can uh, 
protect yourself yeah. by, by being a little less hospitable. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to reputation management, because I'm kind of curious about that. I think this is a What Works podcast, and, and we, we have a lot of small business owners out there who struggle with you know, how, how much do you have to um, respond to people if they're out there trashing your reputation online and you didn't do anything wrong. So what is your, what is your advice to small businesses who, who face that kind of issue? When we look at customer service, because that's what we're talking about here, um, it is uh, customer service. Service is what you provide. Customer satisfaction is what you as a consumer get. Your goal as a business owner is for your customer to be satisfied. What you need to do is to try to find the resolution to the problem that satisfies that customer. But you don't have to uh, give up the, the ship for that. When you have done business the right way and you know we, we have, uh, in fact, uh, the Torch Awards, which, is, uh, which was our inaugural event uh, this past uh, uh, January. It is an award given to businesses who do things the right way. And when I said earlier that 90% of the business people out there really do work hard at uh, doing business the right way, and that's about their own efforts for reputation management. When you do business the right way, when you set up and work with your team to know that you are treating your customers well, that you uh, are pricing your products well, that you have no intent to rip off individuals, then your, your reputation management is not gonna be an issue. It's those who don't do that. Uh, who have a problem with with their reputations, and there are organizations like ours, um, who it is part of our job to make sure that we are dealing with a fair and equitable marketplace. It's fair to both business and consumers, and when when the business owners really think about their reputation and how important it is, they don't really have a problem. Uh, uh, one of the winners, uh, Schmeling, uh, was one of the torch winners. They've been in business for over 100 years. Why? Because they do things the right way. They make certain that not just the upper management know how to treat their customers, but so do all the members of their team, from the people working in the office and the people who are working on the construction sites, all know how to handle uh, their customers, and if there's an issue, what they should do about it. Not ignore it, because that's going to get your reputation kind of fouled up. Respond to it. Uh, that is one of the things that, uh, that generate complaints to us, that when someone contacts a business with a problem and they don't get any response from that business, now they're angry. Mm-hmm. And that's when they really uh, have a reason to be upset. And that business who doesn't respond to our complaint does further damage to uh, their reputation because they may at one point have had an A-plus rating, but you have one or two 
unanswered complaints, and that rating goes from an A-plus to a D. And it's not because I get to pick what rating you get. It's a computer-generated algorithm that tells us what that complaint, uh, what that rating is going to be. So we hope that uh, people respond to, and we, the first question Dwayne asks, have you contacted the business about your problem before you file the complaint with us? And uh, we want people to do that. It's better for them to talk face-to-face with the, with the business that you have a problem with than to have us step in and try to solve it for you immediately. Sometimes, you know, a, a phone call or stopping into the office and say, I'm not happy with, with this. What can we do to fix the problem gets it taken care of uh, a lot faster than we would take care of it. We do uh, seek to get, if we get a complaint, to have it uh, processed and resolved within 30 days. And sometimes that it can be 10 days, and sometimes that 30 days stretches into 45 days. Uh, It depends on the nature of the complaint. But it really is, for the good and for your reputation, the best thing for business people to do is when they get a complaint, whether it comes from us or from your customer, is to respond to it. So walk us through the the the, the process, uh, the value proposition for the businesses. How, if a business is uh, interested in managing their reputation through the BBB, what do they have to do? One of the things about uh, uh, accreditation mm-hmm. uh, is by invitation. Okay. You can contact us and say, "I'd like to become accredited," and we will say, "That's that's." That's all well and good. Um, we need to get this information from you, and then we vet that business. Uh, we look at who they are, how long they've been in business, uh, who their owners are, if they are a business that is uh, requires any licensing or um, special uh, insurance or, or something like that. We make sure all those things are in place. Hmm. And if they are not, you're going to end up uh, with our coming back to you saying, we can't move forward with this accreditation until you, we get these things fixed. Mm-hmm. And it can also be something like uh, uh, lack of a privacy policy on your uh, website mm-hmm. when you are a, a, a company that does e-commerce. Well, you need to be telling people who, what you're doing with the information they are providing for to you, how, how well you're protecting their privacy, uh, how well you are protecting their credit card numbers. Those sorts of things are all the things that we look at. Uh, we are a member of, I think, 19 different chambers of commerce, and that wow. just scratches the surface of the number of chambers that are out there. The difference between the Better Business Bureau and the Chamber, and the Chamber is a great organization, as I as I've said, we're a member of 19 of them. Uh, you can walk into any Chamber of Commerce tomorrow and become a member simply by writing a check. You can't do that with with the Better Business Bureau. You can apply for accreditation, uh, and then you'll be vetted. And not everybody who applies, and even those who attempt to fix the issues, sometimes because they find the, the process, um, uh, well, too strenuous for them or too invasive. You know, why do you need to know uh, 
how much we earn in a year. And we give you a range to tell us, but we need to know. Mm-hmm. We need we ask you how many employees you have. One, because your, your accreditation dues are based on that. But it also tells us uh, if you are a business that says that you can do road construction and you have a, a two-person office, uh, well, that's not going to really happen. But, uh, but you can get a contract in Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we are going controversial. Really? I, I did not say that. That was Alex. A, uh, politics <laughs> presidential discussion. I'm the left side of the right. Side. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hit politics right after your explanation. <laughs> uh, that that uh, I lost my train of thought with that. Sorry. Yeah, if you're doing road construction, you have two people in your office. Yeah. Like, so no, it, it tells us, you know, that that you may be uh, a company that says you can do certain things, but we look at the number of people you have on, on your team and say, that's going to be kind of impossible for you to actually handle a, a, that kind of project. So you go through that vetting process so that when a consumer is, is seeking out information on that business, they can trust it because you have already done all the legwork to make sure that business actually is who they are, they, is who they say they are, and, does, and, add, and can actually do the things that they say they do. Exactly. Wow. And then the the people who who don't pass that test, you just boot them out and say, nope, you're not doing, you, you can't get accredited, fix these issues. Right. Fantastic. And if if you are a uh, a, a company, a, a business, and we find that uh, we see what can be a pattern of complaint, mm-hmm. uh, we'll notify you that we have a concern mm. that you, and it doesn't have to be an accredited business that we do that with. When we get a number of complaints um, about a business, uh, for instance, uh, I uh, issued a warning just recently on uh, Four City Water here in, in our area, in Winnipeg County, because of the way they do business hmm. and, the number, and the type of complaints that they have. They have a pattern of complaint where, especially with seniors, where they um, rip them off. Simple. It's just that simple. They uh, install equipment that is not new. It's used. It's rusted. Uh, They take out or they break pieces on the water softener that they are theoretically there to fix. Uh, And that has been going on. And we contacted them and said, you know, this is a a, a concern of ours. we would like to work with you to fix these problems. Yeah. We get no response from them um, and still have not had any response from them. And we think it's important that we then uh, contact the media and let the media know that wow. these things and this business, in, in fact, is not operating uh, ethically in the marketplace so that you can't rip off. That business should not be allowed to continue to operate. We have no a law enforcement authority. We can't shut them down, but we right. can make people aware of the fact how they are doing business. So you even go to the media to get the media involved against uh, Absolutely. a company that is legitimately not doing business correctly. Absolutely. Um, you know, that investigation for for our office, it took me six months to, to put all of the information together mm-hmm. uh, to v- verify what we suspected was taking place. Uh, Again, he had every opportunity to address the issues, but chose not to. Wow. And what we we also work very closely with the Attorney General's Office, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, um, and the FBI. 
And uh, in fact, what I have noticed is that we got just this past week two more complaints, two more calls uh, about Forest City Water. Uh, so he is continuing to do this. And my next step now is to turn these issues over to the Attorney General's office who does not play, and especially when it involves a a senior citizen, they really frown on issues that impact seniors. And this individual is doing just that. He's preying on senior citizens. Wow. That's intense. That is a lot of uh, bite for the bark. Uh, It, and, um, you know, it's, if you have a big stick sometimes you have to wield it (laughs) and and with the assistance of law enforcement we can do that you know uh, we have a good relationship with uh, uh, our state's attorney here that if we see an issue I can take it to uh, state's attorney Briscato and say this is something that you need to take a look at Mm -hmm. and you can determine whether or not there is fraud involved Uh, if if, you know and, and sometimes fraud involves intent so they have to prove intent but if he thinks that there is right and in the case of forest city water there is definitely intent to defraud uh with the number of complaints that we have and i'm i'm certain i haven't checked with the attorney general's office i'm certain that they too have complaints and when you take the mass the total number of complaints and look at the way business is being done uh we know that they will very often move to shut them down. Yeah. Wow, that's that's intense. Well, let's let's bring it back to a lighter subject. <laughs> <laughs> we've offended millennials. <laughs> we've we've learned about the fraud in our area. <laughs> so do we do? Is this where we move to politics? No, I'm <laughs> the uh, uh, we are a five hundred one c six, so we don't take positions on on politics. No political issues. No. Okay. That's I need, neither do I. I have no political bending. <laughs> he says <laughs> nobody does. <laughs> so so uh, again, this is the What Works podcast. Your your recommendation is uh, that that businesses pay attention to the complaints of their consumers, take take appropriate action, because you know a lot, a lot, many people just want to be listened to, uh, and once they're listened to, they're gonna they're gonna go away happy most we likely. Hope. And if not, then you're going to get involved. You're going to help them mediate whatever that topic is so that the consumer can be happy and so that the business can move along uh, without feeling like they got this umbrella, you know, place uh, somewhere coming up. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so, so what's the, um, as we wrap this thing up, what's, what's maybe uh, a piece of advice beyond that, that you could offer to Offer to small business owners. You've seen a lot of them. You've talked to a lot of them. You've talked to a lot of consumers. 16 years of doing this, and then time, you know, news prior to that. What's what's one piece of advice you could you could drop? What's what's your advice bomb on us? Become accredited is the number one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, and it's and I'm not being facetious in in that as as we have talked. Uh, one of the things that is most important uh, in doing business in the marketplace is trust. Yeah, and with the Better Business Bureau itself being a 100-year-old organization, the trust that people have in us 
also becomes the trust they have in you. If you can meet the uh, the, the guidelines uh, for accreditation, it says a lot about who you are and how you do business. And the trust that people place in us, they will place in you. Wow, I love that saying. I wrote it down. <laughs> well, <laughs> Dennis, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you. We'll, we'll have you on next time to talk politics. Um, <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> maybe maybe next election cycle. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what other scams are existing. And then, who knows? Politics and scams might go together. Well, they certainly do. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on Thinkers What Works podcast. Uh, super, super fun to uh, chat with you tonight. Thank you for having me.